Thank you for downloading and or streaming the newest episode of Recasted 2.0. Today we're going to be doing The Big Lebowski, but before we do, I'm Wayne G, and I am joined, as always, by Jesse. What's up? I mean, whatever, Wayne. It's it's good to be here. Okay. <laughs> that was my, my, my play on The Big Lebowski, man. Oh, gotcha. gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> oh. You know what impression I was doing a lot this week? I was doing the Joker impression because uh, we'll get into it, but I, I kept doing that impression all day. And then uh, the only thing I've done from the Big Lebowski is like, yeah, well, that's like just your opinion, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's definitely that clip, but uh, we'll get into some more awesome clips as we get into this episode. But I am so excited to be here with you again and giving our fans another awesome classic movie recasted with today's actors and actresses. Before we get into everything, I do want to mention to follow us on social media. We are on Twitter. That is the best place to get a hold of us, at Recasted Podcast. We are also at Recasted Podcast on Facebook and at Recasted Podcast 8 on Instagram. On Facebook, we do have a group called All Things Movies. Join that and post anything you want that is movie-related. Jesse's been blowing it up this week. Absolutely. I love putting out little opinion-based things on there just to get some interaction. I love to see everybody's different opinions, whether it be about comic book movies or villains of any type of movies or shows uh, i love seeing the interaction on twitter and facebook so keep it up fans yeah absolutely these are cool things like who is your favorite x y or z or i know you just did one the matrix because we did the matrix it was like would you take the blue pill or the red pill and i think was it blue was spider-man no way home and red was the batman yes sir yeah it was either that way or, or the opposite but for sure it was a tough choice for any comic book fan in this day and age now, I didn't tally up the votes, but I know I mentioned to you, and I'll mention it here on the air, is that I went with Spider-Man No Way Home. As, as excited as I am about the Batman, I am a little bit more of a Marvel fan. So I'll watch anything Marvel over anything DC, no matter how excited I am. Yeah, Wayne, after reviewing it, I think that was the consensus. Is as excited as people are for Robert Pattinson's take on the Batman and this new direction it may have, Spider-Man is just so huge with what it's about to do, and the rumors of half of them even come true, then this is going to be a blasty blast. I did want to mention that we did our last episode, which was The Matrix, and tallied up the votes. This is the first one I've won, so I'm giving Jesse tons of props here, is that he's beaten me every time up until now, which I won this one 15 to 9 total on social media. And the overwhelming reason that people picked me, and Jesse got into quite a few slugfests about it, was that a lot of people didn't like the Daniel Radcliffe pick. Yeah, I knew that I was going to have an uphill battle as soon as I chose him. But it, it's crazy to me how short-sighted our fans as well as our colleagues are when they think of Daniel Radcliffe. I mean, in the movie The Matrix, Neo is called The One. And in Harry Potter, Daniel Radcliffe is The Chosen One. I mean, people said Daniel Radcliffe couldn't fight or didn't have any action skills, and, and he ended up defeating Voldemort. So I think people are a bit short-sighted. But overall, it was a very fun episode to do. I love seeing you get that win. I felt like it was 115 to 9. Every time I looked, there was a new vote saying why they hated Harry Potter and why they loved your picks. So overall, it was an awesome experience. Again, love seeing you get your win. And now hopefully we can get things back on the straight and narrow here with me winning continuously. Get out of Bizarro World and back into the real world? Yeah, this is weird. Well, I think it's great because you got to experience what I experience on a weekly basis, which is I like to take risks. You know, we talk about it all the time. I, I take very big risks when I'm recasting some of these roles, and that's usually what ends up costing me in the vote. And I feel like you did the same thing. You're like, listen, I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to take Daniel Radcliffe. I know it's a stretch. And then it's like people kind of crapped on it. You're like, man, this must be what Wayne feels like every week. <laughs> oh, I felt like the recasted Porter Potty, man. I just People were dumping on that pick all week. 
Um, I do want to send some special thanks out to anybody who voted. So I have a list here of podcasts who voted for us on Twitter, and I like to run through it pretty quick. I'm not going to give all the tags, just the names of the shows, and you guys should definitely follow all of these shows because we do as well. So right from the start, we have our friends on Facebook voted. Thank you so much for that. And then we have Walk the Cinema Podcast, Shoot the Flick, Mashley at the Movies, Your Newest Favorite Movie, UCast, Movie Drone Podcast, Film Shake, 90s Movie Podcast, the Pod Recast, Best Film Ever Podcast, When Harry Met Movies, Field of Screens, Film Rage, Movie Wars Podcast, The Movie Journey, Green Shirt Podcast, Beefy Boys Podcast, Uncredited Extras Podcast, and Quantum Recast. And to touch on some of these, I do have some asterisks. I know that you'll touch on them as well, but some of our favorites that we'll give a little bit of an extra shout out to, obviously the Quantum Recast. I mean, I know you've been interacting with them. I think every episode I interact with them and give them thoughts on every one of their picks. Absolutely. I'm pretty sure I've gone through most of their catalog now, and I can't wait to hear all their new episodes. The newest one was The Shining. Next one, they're going to have The Ghostbusters. And we've talked about what they do, where they just pick a random movie, put it in a random year, and they play inside that box. And I think it's very fun. Their chemistry is very awesome. Very close friends on there. And they've been very interactive in terms of talking to you and I. And we're really hopeful there's the potential for you know some type of joint podcast or joint venture between us but overall really awesome podcast i hope people can check them out and see how cool of a concept that they have absolutely i think they actually make it a little bit tougher and i mentioned it last podcast as well by putting that year restriction on it and then you can't or you can cast anybody you want but you're going to be taking them out of their other movies so like they did 1989 the dark knight you couldn't put robin williams as the joker even though that might seem perfect because of the fact that he's in dead poet society and he was nominated for an oscar Absolutely. And, and also there was a 1989 Batman. So they were really playing with fire there. That was a very fiery sandbox. But overall, love every episode that they do. Really hope that our fans can check them out and enjoy them as much as you and I have. You know, myself, Wayne, I work second shift, so I'm able to take in a lot of podcasts while I work. And they are certainly right up there at the top. And uh, I know you have some more for, for us to shout out. Absolutely. So the Movie Wars podcast, I've been giving them props. I love the idea of just taking those two movies that are similar and then just battling it out with different categories. I know you started listening to a few episodes, and I'd love to get your thought on the concept. Absolutely. Yeah, they are so deep. They give me so much information that I never even knew. And uh, they have very beautiful insight on some of these movies. A few episodes ago, you had spoken about the Goodfellas versus the Godfather episode. And I listened to it. I listened to several other of their episodes. And they get real into it. I also listened to Gladiator versus Braveheart. And, you know, they take two really premier movies and take them side by side and look at their similarities, look at their differences. And they go super in-depth. And I think these guys are a fantastic listen every time. The Best Film Ever podcast, this is one that I've listened to a lot. They're, I mentioned that they're a British podcast. The head host is Canadian, and I listened to every episode. The most recent one was That Thing You Do, which is I love that movie, and I gave them a bunch of feedback on that as well, and they played an audio clip that I'd sent in at the start of that show on my thoughts on their Mean Girls episode. So huge thanks to them for promoting our show as well. Oh, absolutely. And I did listen to your whole bit about Mean Girls, and uh, I absolutely agree, Wayne. I think that it definitely promotes more mean behavior than it does turn you away from it. So uh, great to hear you on other platforms and other uh, shows, and uh, maybe we'll get glimpses of uh, others being on our show in the future. And the last special shout-out I have before we get into our spotlight segment is When Harry Met Movies. This is kind of an interesting concept as well. I haven't gotten too deep into their 
catalog, but I know that it sounds like, if I understand it correctly, we've got a dad and a young son who are watching movies together for the first time, and they're chatting about it. And I thought, wow, that'd be really cool to do with my daughter. I know you have a daughter as well. That idea of just kind of the first and second generation discussing these movies that the second generation is seeing for the first time. Especially with all kinds of movies being recasted and remade these days, it'd be cool to kind of see what their opinion is of the original, the things that really made us excited about film back in the day. So I know that you're a big cinephile, Wayne, and I know you get your daughter to watch just as many things as you can. And I try and do the same with mine. So uh, it's a very neat concept. Uh, I haven't listened to as many as I'd like to, but I certainly have them within my rotation. And the spotlight segment this episode is kind of a new segment that I wanted to introduce where shows that we listen to, shows that interact with us, can promote their show on our show by sending us an audio clip, kind of talking about their reasoning for why they might have voted on the last episode that we did. And so the first one I have here is from, I know, one of Jesse's favorites as well as mine, which is Shoot the Flick. It's a husband and wife team. Uh, I believe we got Scott and Frankie. Yes, sir. That is them. And they just kind of talk about movies. They watch a movie, and then they talk about it. And they're usually really funny, really entertaining. And I know that you're a big fan of them as well. Absolutely. Their episodes are always jam-packed with clips from not only the movie or TV show that they're referencing, but little sound bites that really keep you entertained. This husband and wife pair have a wonderful chemistry, and they do an awesome job of kind of just opening up each other to new things each and every episode. So it's almost like the When Harry Met movies Whereas in this case, we've got a husband and wife just, you know, opening up each other to new TVs, new TV shows and movies that they had never been experienced to before. So each episode is a fun adventure. I did listen to their Shining episode recently because it is spooky season. And man, they do a wonderful job. Frankie is also a book nerd. So she talks about the differences between the book Shining and as well as the movie and so many juicy details as well as laughter in every episode. Well, I asked them for some clips. I said, why did you guys vote the way that you did for The Matrix? Because they said that they actually had debated quite a bit with each other on this before deciding as a show which one they wanted to go with. And I know they went with mine, but this is a four and a half minute clip from Shoot the Flick. Give it a listen, guys. This is kind of what you can expect if you won't listen to their show. Really entertaining. And uh, here you go. Hey, this is Frankie. And this is Scott. From Shoot the Flick. And we're here to talk about Wayne and Jesse's casting for The Matrix. Yes. Now, I believe we're both Team Wayne, correct? Yes, we are both Team Wayne. <laughs> Sorry, it, Jesse. It's a lot closer than I think it has any right to be. But uh, we'll talk about Wayne's first. So I personally really dig Kit Harrington as Neo and Michael Jai White as Morpheus. Yeah, I think Kit Harrington is a very good choice because he kind of does play a little bit stoic with Game of Thrones and stuff. I don't know if Michael Dry White has the reverence to be Morpheus. Like, he can kick ass. Don't get me wrong. can kick ass like a crazy person. I just don't know if he has that regal thing that Morpheus has. But I think where Wayne really wins in the end is the side cast with Andy Serkis and Wentworth Miller. Like, he's got a hell of a side cast here. Yeah, although I do like Jesse's pick for Cypher as well. Jesse's was Bill Burr, <laughs> and I, I love Bill Burr, so. I, I guess, I don't know, Bill Burr, I, I don't know, he's an, he's an ass when he does his like comedy and stuff, that's kind of his whole shtick. I just don't know if I see him as conniving. Yeah, no, I, I get that. Like, Andy Serkis is, I think, can play conniving, but Carl Urban... Yeah, well, we don't like Carl Urban over here. <laughs> what? 
I love Carl Urban. Well, I'm saying we as in me. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I find him a blah kind of generic white guy actor. <laughs> I don't know. We'll, we'll get there. I'll show you Dread eventually. And also, I mean, I'm a big Harry Potter fan, so you'd think I'd be down for Daniel Radcliffe as Neo, but like... I just don't see it. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> I think there are, like, especially when you look at, like, Jesse's cast with, like, the back end isn't as distracting. Because when you look at some of, like, he's got Tank casted here as Melvin Gregg, who, that'd be a good role. A- Asa Butterfield as Mouse, which is also a good role. But they're not as distracting as, like, Norman Reedus as Tank. It's not a big enough role where I think Norman Reedus would be, like, not distracting. Yeah, I get that. But also, Norman Reedus, like, I don't know. He's just the shit. I, I know. You got, you got your Walking Dead here. All right. All right. I honestly think they're closer. And, like, Daniel Radcliffe, I know it's not the popular choice, but Neo wasn't a world breaker either. Like, Keanu's not, like, jacked in the first Matrix movie. No, it's not even that. It's just the fact that he's like in the Matrix, the original. Neo is pretty much lacking all personality, very stoic, which is why I think Kit Harrington can do that better because he can kind of be stoic, but also bring some life into the character while also keeping that same vibe. Daniel Radcliffe, I feel like, has got too much vibe almost to really, <laughs> to really be a good Neo. <laughs> Maybe. I can't see him being, like, the cool, silent but deadly type, you know? And the other one I want to bring up is Wentworth Miller versus uh, Killian Murphy as uh, Agent Smith. I think they're both really good choices, actually. Uh, they are both very good choices. I think Wentworth Miller is l- less assuming as the villain. Okay, I see what you're saying. Because uh, Killian Murphy usually is the villain. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And also, Wentworth Miller, I feel like, is better at playing, like, for lack of a better term, like, a robot, which basically is what Mr. Smith is. I mean, he's not a robot, but, like, he's got the personality of a robot. (laughs) And Wentworth Miller, I mean, I love you, dude, but, like, even in Prison Break, which is one of my favorite shows, like, ever, he wasn't exactly known for his, like, great work at emoting. That is true. That is very true. But that is our talking about the matrix recast from the recasted podcasts thank you so much to jesse wayne for letting us do this you guys rock we're big fans yay so yes we are shoot the flick catch us on all the social medias at shoot the flick and wherever you can listen to podcast indeed there we go that is uh what they have to say obviously they picked mine they said that you know the daniel radcliffe thing that's going to be a common theme with people who voted is that's the main reason and a lot of people are going to say that jesse had a great cast a lot of people love the bill burr pick yeah i, I love that pick and i know you love to hate it because of how good it was so uh, it's fun when uh, you know we can really get some in-depth opinions i love to hear everybody's you know opinions and, and really hear what they have to say so it was great for them to share that what's kind of on the nose with these guys is within the last 48 hours shoot the flick talked about ash the evil dead and they were talking about some recastings, and lo and behold, Daniel Radcliffe ends up being one of their options to be recasted in this movie. So I made sure to comment on Twitter and say, no, 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 Harry Potter couldn't possibly do this role. You know, just to poke back. But again, a wonderful pair to listen to. Shoot the flick. If any of our fans haven't listened to him yet, please check them out. 
I will say that I voted for Daniel Radcliffe out of the choices as well because I said this is right up his alley because it's a dark like horror type movie. I don't feel like he has to be an action star. I mean, there's some action sequences and that's where I think he shines. But the reason I, I didn't love him as Neo is because there's so much action hand to hand combat. Whereas the evil dead, it's more just like sarcastic quips and you have to kill some zombies. And I felt, ah, he could do that. Yeah. Overall, Daniel Radcliffe, I still think is a, is a great actor and I may potentially use him in the future, but that's only to give you these occasional wins. <laughs> All right. Uh, the other clip that we have here, this is our other spotlight is, what I'll consider probably our best friends in the podcast world, which is the Field of Screens guys, DKIF and James. I asked them for a sample, and they sent in, again, a four, four-and-a-half-minute clip here just discussing the Matrix and why they went with who they went with. I'll give you guys a listen here, and you can get an idea of what you can expect when you listen to their show as well. Hello, it's the Field of Screens podcast guys here, DKIF, the sports guy, along with James, the movie guy. Hey there. And we're just popping in to say uh, hello. And uh, we were just talking about the Matrix <laughs> casts, weren't we, James? Yeah, we were. Uh, that Wayne and Jesse have done for yeah. one of their more recent episodes of Recasted Podcast 2.0. Yeah, and one of them was brave and one of them was stupid. And which one was brave? Brave? I don't know who I would call brave. But... Oh, I thought Wentworth Miller was brave because mm. it actually works for me in my head. Like, I'm, I'm getting that. Yeah. So does that mean that you're saying that Jesse was stupid to have gone with Daniel Radcliffe? Oh, well, James, those are your words, not mine. <laughs> like they're your words, but I've just put them in a different order. <laughs> no, stupid, um, stupid would be harsh, but, but Jesse, oh, yeah, get, that is harsh. Get good effort no. trying to get Daniel Radcliffe in the Neo role. Just like no. you almost, I I almost bought it, but I couldn't no. quite get there. No. But I did really like uh, Bill Burr as Cipher. In fact, I think you both cast great ciphers in Andy Serkis. Uh, yeah, well I think Andy Serkis is a good cipher as well. I, I yeah, like Bill Burr. Bill Burr's a good cipher. I feel like Jesse won it on Agent Smith with Killian Murphy for me. Um, I oh, couldn't okay. have, yeah. I couldn't have Wentworth Miller. But other than that, I do have to go with Wayne because oh. I think Kit Harrington is a good shout actually for Neo. Um, Yep, I like that too. So there's, yeah, a, there's a um, lot. There's a lot of good. I, as always, you guys made great arguments for ones that I would have initially just said no to. They both made us really laugh. Actually, we like we laugh at how you guys uh, talk to each other. No, oh, yeah. I think that's I think that's a lazy's pick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, you guys are brutal, and you were brutal us to us too. But but fair, but fair. fair. Yeah, harsh, yeah. harsh but fair we'd say uh, and we love it we always love listening to the show and uh, yeah we'll be looking forward to the next one my disclaimer for mm. why I have not voted on The Rock he I have genuinely it. not seen The Rock I mean, I'm i amazed as well yeah but guys as you know and as those that listen to our show know I am the sports guy mm. not the movie guy I think you'd like The Rock it's good fun it's prime Nicolas Cage, like prime 90s Nicolas Cage. It's really, and like, it's, you know, it's just out there in terms of uh, like Jerry Bruckheimer um, based entertainment for the 90s. Uh, yeah, it's good fun. And does also feature one of the most fun car chases of recent, well, I say recent years. What is it? 25 years old now of the last quarter century. <laughs> okay. Oh, well, great. Well, um, Wayne, I hope you were looking for a sort of 10 minute long promo of our podcast, which is what we've done here. We're in prime waffle mode today. Yeah. Uh, we've just recorded our latest episode on the movie Battle of the Sexes. 
if you're going to check out an episode of ours, don't start with that one. Start with um, Dodgeball or maybe The Karate Kid. Dodgeball is an ideal um, yeah. taster episode. If you, yeah. do, if you don't like us on Dodgeball, we don't get any better than that. So, no. Uh, yeah. No, uh, so you're not going to like <laughs> us. But um, we've, done, we've done all sorts of sports movies now. Serious ones, funny ones. Uh, and everything in between at all sports as well so there should be something that you'd enjoy so please do check us out uh, and uh, send us a comment too we're at FOS underscore pod field of screens the sports movie podcast anything else to add James? uh, just that hopefully we'll do we'll team up with Jesse and Wayne again soon to do something because we both really enjoyed coming on um, your show too when we did the Any Given Sunday which we both really loved Um, and we've got plans to try and do some bits with you guys in the future so um, yeah hopefully we'll speak to you guys soon maybe we could do something that had a really small cast and we could all go Fatal 4 way 1v1v1v1 that'd be quite fun like a movie that's only cast like four people or something. All right, we'll let you find that film then. There'll, there'll be movies that exist with tiny casts. Blair Witch Project. That's exactly what I was thinking of. That is mental. Anyway, <laughs> thanks very much. Bye, everyone. Bye. All right, so that is Field of Screens. That's why they went the way that they did. Like I said, these guys are our best friends. They review sports movies. But again, Jesse, again, I mentioned it, common theme. It's the Daniel Radcliffe thing. I think if you had gone with a different actor, you probably would have thumped me in this one because everyone seemed to like your entire cast except for that one pit. Yeah, our, our best mates across the pond, you know, they didn't like my pick either, but that's okay. Um, I'm glad that you bullied them into finally giving us a vote. You were definitely on their arses. But again, uh, so glad that they could pitch in as well as uh, spotlight their show. I think their show is so fun to listen to. Recently listened to their Rocky 2 episode. And oh, what a doozy. It's very nostalgic to listen to those old Rocky episodes and kind of get me excited to watch those again. And they're always reinventing their show as well. One of the things they've started doing is doing their retrospective as a standalone episode and then doing the actual new episode next. So the next one they have coming out is Battle of the Sexes, but they did just release their retrospective. And again, they gave us a shout out because they always do, which is why we always return the favor. Yeah, more content, baby. I love it. Some of the things we like to talk about, pop culture, movies and things like that. I didn't write this one down. I know I didn't mention it before we started, but I did mention it in the text yesterday, I think. The clip of the the Robin Williams biopic that they're trying to get done, and they release this little four and a half, five minute snippet of Jamie, was it Testa? Jamie? Jamie Costa. Costa. So Jamie Costa doing Robin Williams, and he's in his trailer as Mork, and he's finding out that John Belushi died the night before, and he had been hanging out with him prior to that. I saw the scene, and I thought, oh my God, like this is incredible. Yeah, give me the biopic, but please stay away from any remakes of any Robin movies. And we both adore Robin. I think watching this clip separately, as well as with my mom, we were able to just close our eyes for a bit and just see Robin. And then when you do look, you see the mannerisms, the facial expressions, the emotion that was put into this. And oh my gosh, does this gentleman totally encompass everything in that four-minute video that we loved about Robin Williams. So... I feel the same as you, Wayne. Please give me the biopic, and please give me a full story on Robin, something that we can really cherish and hold on to. The thing I really liked about this particular impression is a lot of people do Robin Williams impressions. I know Jimmy Fallon does one, but most of them do like the -the over-the-top Robin, where he's like, oh, yes, here I am doing all kinds of crazy things. And this was a very subdued Robin, and it really hit me. Yeah, the emotions were really controlled. You could see as soon as he found out about John and what had happened, 
he was really just uh, emotionally taken over. And you could see it, it wasn't the actor that was taken over. I, I was looking at Robin hearing this news that day. It was so amazing how perfectly he was able to do this. We touched on it earlier. The Batman had a new trailer come out, a little bit more footage from the film. And I know that you'd sent it over to me and said, hey, have you seen this yet? And so I took a look at it because I am excited for this film. And I like the trailer. The trailer was cool. The music gets you pumped up. There was a lot of the Penguin and they only hinted on the the Riddler, who seems like he's going to be the main villain, though. Yeah, and I, I don't have an issue with that at all, Wayne. You know, give me the big villain in the movie. Don't spoil anything or show me tons of him within the trailer. And I like that there's not just one villain to be centered on in this film. And from what I saw of Robert Pattinson in that suit, I actually love the representation more than Ben Affleck already. This clip really got me excited, seeing some really awesome clips uh, of that Batmobile as well. Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman. I, I think we're really in store for an awesome, awesome DC flick. And you don't get to say that very often with DC. But yeah, this past week was DC Fandom, and so they've released a couple things. And that, that Batman, I think, is most definitely the, the most anticipated movie as far as what they have under their DC umbrella. And I will say, I'm glad you touched on it, how Pattinson looked in the Batsuit. And for me... Again, regardless of how this turns out, I think that, you know, I don't know how he's going to be as Bruce Wayne, but he looks like he could be the best Batman. Yeah, and only one real kind of sound clip of him as Batman. I mean, we kind of heard him kind of talking a little bit, but that one scene of him staring at the person in the, the cell the in the orange outfit, which you could maybe assume is the Riddler, but you never really know with them. But you hear his voice, and man, that delivery, it was commanding, it was it was dark, it was it was powerful. So I'm very excited for what Robert Pattinson is going to provide us in that full-length movie. And uh, I know you're not a huge fan of Colin Farrell, so maybe they're just maybe that's all his scenes, is the bits that we saw in the trailer. Because I know he, he does play the Penguin. I can't honestly remember the actor that plays the Riddler, um, but I am excited for this film nonetheless. Yeah, I looked it up last night because I was like, who plays – because they don't really show his face at all in the trailer. And I was like, who plays the Riddler? And I can't remember the name, but I know he's the guy from There Will Be Blood that told Daniel Day-Lewis where the oil was. And at the end, he kills him with a bowling pin. Spoiler. No spoiler free here. Um, he kills him with a bowling pin. But he's the one that's going to play the Riddler. And I was like, okay, I can see that. Yeah, I'm excited for this film. I know you are as well. Uh, do we have anything else about DC Fandom you'd like to let the fans know about, Wayne? Oh, yes. Uh, right before we started recording, we both watched the Black Adam trailer. And I don't know if you watched the same one as me, but it seemed like it was like an animated trailer. Like, we didn't really see the—we heard The Rock's voice, but we just—it would look like an animated type of thing. So the one that I saw, you know, you just see a bit of his face under that, like, it looks like a cloak or uh, kind of a hood. But it definitely seemed very— Shazam-like, and I'm not sure if you ever were a fan of Dwayne Johnson in his wrestling days, but one of his nicknames was the most electrifying man in sports entertainment, and from what I've seen here, he looks like a an electrified, ripped Superman. So certainly a huge adversary for Shazam to have to look to take on, and I think it looks very fun. It was a short clip. We didn't see a lot of Black Adam in this. I think just some intimidating peaks of what he could do. And overall, we've been hearing about Dwayne Johnson in the DC Universe for almost a decade now. So it'll be good to finally see what he can do in this film. Haven't been a huge fan of his films recently. I, I, I want to ask you, Wayne, when's the last time you enjoyed a Dwayne Johnson film? Um, Wow, a Dwayne Johnson film. That's a good one. I couldn't. Oh, uh, probably Jumanji Next Level would be the last one. 
Yeah, and, and there's the Jungle Cruise that they just came out with, and that doesn't look enjoyable at all to me. I'll, I'll be up front and say that I haven't watched it, but making a movie totally comprised of a ride at Disney with a bunch of CGI just didn't get me going. And, you know, I, I loved him in the ring way more than I do in the box office. Maybe a hot take here, but give me John Cena in a movie way before Dwayne Johnson. Well, you get them both in the Fast 9, right? <laughs> uh, that next one better be called Fast 10 your seatbelt. <laughs> um, uh, you went to the drive-in recently, and you said you'd never been to a drive-in before. So before we get into the films that you saw there, how did you enjoy the experience? It was a very neat experience. It was actually pretty packed, so I didn't know what to expect. And, um, you know, just being able to take in a movie, you know, in your vehicle, kind of lounge. Stopped at the store first and got some snacks because, you know, snacks for back-to-back movies. I was there for some longer ones, so it was, it was definitely over five hours. So I had to make sure I had some good snackies. And uh, it was comfortable. The audio was great. And it was my first time and my daughter's first time. Also went with my girlfriend, Crystal. So it was really an enjoyable time. And uh, yeah, the movies that I got to see, Wayne, were the sequel to uh, The Animated Adams Family. And that stars Charlize Theron, one of our favorites, Oscar Isaac as Gomez, Nick Kroll as Uncle Fester. And so it was very funny. I really enjoyed the original. The sequel was funny as well. I think they do a good job with this. And that's one of those kind of old spooky shows or movies that they continue to kind of recreate and reanimate. And I think they continue to make it enjoyable. The follow-up movie to that was something that I know you're envious of me seeing, and that was No Time to Die, the last Bond film for Daniel Craig. And oh my goodness, Wayne, it was amazing. I've got to be completely upfront and say that I have not seen any of the previous Daniel Craig Bond films. And so I feel like maybe I didn't get the full experience, but the experience that I got was very, very enjoyable. And I do plan on making it a uh, point to watch all of the Daniel Craig Bond films in order to go ahead and see if this one means more in the end, because maybe they're tying up some loose ends. But overall, I really enjoyed it. And I think you will as well. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And I know that you'd mentioned to me that you hadn't seen all the Daniel Craig ones. And I'd said that the Daniel Craig ones are the only ones that I've seen. Because to me, growing up, Bond just always seemed stuffy i guess and kind of a little bit boring and then all of a sudden you know daniel craig comes out with casino royale and i watched that and right off the bat action car chase you know cars flipping over gunshots and what i learned and i didn't realize this is that they use minimal cgi in the movie like all those cars are actually crashing them (laughs) so it's nuts yeah it's very fun i grew up with pierce brosnan as my bond it's almost like the batman conversation where everybody has their particular Bond, if they are within the Bond fandom, if you're a Bond guy. But I enjoyed Pierce Brosnan's take. Uh, He also had that video game that was extremely popular for anybody that played Goldeneye. But from what I've heard from the Daniel Craig iterations, Skyfall, those are probably the epic ones. Whereas I've heard Spectre is a bit of a snoozer, but I will watch them myself just to see what I think of them um, and then finish off with No Time to Die again, just to see if, again, if it means more watching them in succession. But I know you're going to be so excited to see this when you get the chance to win. I mentioned to you right before we started recording as well that I might go see There Will Be Carnage today. And in preparation, we watched Venom again last night. And just a huge fan of the first one. I asked somebody who saw There Will Be Carnage what they thought. And they said, "Uh, it's about as good as the first one. So I thought, oh, good. I'll like it then. Yeah, I'm hearing mixed reviews, but it's always tough to kind of ask somebody what their opinion is when you know deep down it's not your opinion. And I know nobody has an opinion like Wayne has one, so I know that he'll probably enjoy Let There Be Carnage myself. I have not seen this new one. 
I wanted to. It was one of the options at the drive-in. It was going to be that one followed by the old school Gremlins movie. And that would have been a fun back-to-back. But overall, the family movie followed by Bond was what I ended up going with. But I know that the Let There Be Carnage is going to be so fun. And from what I hear, Tom Hardy and the relationship he has with Venom is what really makes the movie. It's it's almost like a buddy cop or husband and wife type of situation. But I'm very excited to see it when I do actually sit down and get the chance to. It is directed by my cipher, Andy Serkis, who is a CGI genius. Yeah, also in the Batman. <laughs> As Alfred the Butler. I think we mentioned that, and I was like, ugh, weird. All right, so keeping it with Marvel, you had mentioned that they casted Adam Warlock, who's going to be the bad guy in The Guardians 3, as Will Poulter. You said Will Poulter is the guy. And I know they had talked about Will Poulter as Pennywise for a little bit and ended up going with Skarsgård, but he's kind of a creepy guy, so I don't know if Adam Warlock's supposed to be creepy. He's definitely a wonderful actor. I'm not super in the know with Adam Warlock. And and to be frank, Wayne, I haven't been in the super know with a lot of Guardians of the Galaxy universe. And I think that's what's so interesting and intriguing about it is James Gunn takes these lesser known characters like the Rocket Raccoon and the Drax, Nebula, and really puts them to the forefront and has them, you know, really kind of create a relationship and a bond with us, the fans. And so Adam Warlock is someone I'm excited to learn about, whether he's a goodie or a baddie. You know, Guardians of the Galaxy has done a great job of really presenting their characters well. And Will Poulter, our fans would probably know him most from We Are the Millers. He was the, uh, wait, you guys are getting paid? He was that actor, you know, the, the young nerdy kid that ends up going along for the ride. But he's also been in some other things that have really gotten him some acclaim. And I think that's what ended up making him the right choice for the pick of Adam Warlock. And I wanted to touch on right now, I'm seeing him in a brand new show on Hulu kind of a mini series called Dope Sick. And it's it's almost tough to watch at times, Wayne, because of how close to home it is with the epidemic that's happening in the United States over the last 10, 20 years specific to opiates. It focuses on Oxycontin. And uh, Will Poulter plays a salesman. We got Michael, Ke- Michael Keaton playing a doctor. Rosario Dawson playing an FBI agent. We got uh, one of the Scars Guards in there, the same one that was in uh, Man in the Iron Mask, Wayne. Is that Peter? Oh, I'm not sure. Which one was it? I didn't remember from Man of the Iron Mask. Who did they play? Uh, Raul, the one that uh, ends up getting uh, popped off by Leo's character. Oh, no way. I didn't realize that was a Skarsgård. Me neither until I ended up looking back. But Dope Sick, it's in, as enjoyable as it can be for such a, a tough watch because it is so serious. And it touches on some real reality. And I think we all know someone or know somebody that's struggling with some type of addiction. And so it's a tough watch, but all these actors and actresses provide such amazing performances so far. I'm only three episodes in because Hulu is naughty and they only let me watch three episodes so far. They're going to start dropping them weekly after this. But Will Poulter does an amazing job so far. And um, one of the biggest shocks to me as far as uh, actors having accents that I did not know about, he is a heavy British accent guy. And, uh, you know, watching We're the Millers or even the show Dope Sick, you would have never gotten that impression. And it reminds me of Hugh Laurie in House. You know, watching that show House, I would have never guessed that this guy had one of the heavier accents out there. Yeah, for sure. And I think of the same thing because, like I said, I watched Venom last night and watching Tom Hardy as Eddie Brock. And I think in real life, I think he might be Irish. I'm not sure, but he has a really thick accent in real life. Yeah, there are some actors that do an amazing job of hiding it. And, you know, I, I'm really impressed by how they can do it. You know, I know I can't just flip a switch and do a, a British accent as easily as they can drop a switch and, and get into California dude or twangy twang. So they are super talented. 
They are, well, that's the crazy part is that they come from these other countries and they're able to recognize that even within the United States, there are different dialects. Like we talked about doing a British accent, but there's like a, a – was it a – cockney accent and then there's like a different other type of accent just like the united states you have the southern accent a northern accent california accent and england has all of those too and so it's weird there's like the michael kane talks one way but then you know somebody else talks a different way daniel craig and ozzy osbourne do not talk the same (laughs) (laughs) nobody talks like ozzy (laughs) sharon (laughs) i usually uh whenever i do my ozzy osbourne accent with my daughter i always just say just he just sounds drunk he's like <laughs> Biting that bat on the stage way back when, man, it has it has its effect. Yeah. So as far as me, I didn't really watch anything new recently. I've been trying to catch up on Peaky Blinders. I've been binge watching that, and uh, it's pretty good. Pretty good. I like it. And other than that, not really much. The Walking Dead. I'm wa- I'm like you with Dope Sick. I got to wait one week at a time. And I just watched season. I think episode nine. And I said, okay, great. Episode nine ends on a cliffhanger. So I'm like, oh, I guess I got to wait till next week. Nope, I have to wait till 2022 to see what happens. Oh, heavens to Betsy. Yeah, isn't waiting the worst now? It's like whenever I see a commercial, I go, what is this crap, a commercial? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, um, very spoiled in this day and age with entertainment, but very excited to get an update on The Walking Dead there. And uh, I know that that's been a show that's uh, become so near and dear to you. As soon as you uh, kind of started watching it, you were in. <laughs> Absolutely, and I'm hoping for some things to happen. I, I won't spoil it now for all of The Walking Dead people. Well, I will say this. So we all know that, you know, Rick disappeared, I think, season eight or something like that and hasn't come back yet. So we're all waiting for him to come back. I really think they are going to bring him back. I don't know when or how, but there is no way they close up this series without bringing back Rick Grimes. And uh, is that your favorite character or is it Negan? Negan's the Jeffrey Dean Morgan? Yeah, it's really close. It's really close. And I must say Rick is my favorite. Right now, Negan's my favorite because Rick's been gone for a couple of seasons. But when they're both on the screen together, Rick's my favorite, and it's very close second is Negan. Now, did you love the actor for Rick prior to watching The Walking Dead? Because I honestly, I wasn't very familiar with him outside of just the, the old cult ca- classic Boondock Saints. Oh, that's not the main character. So the main, so that's Daryl. Daryl is um, Norman oh. Reedus. See, it shows you how big of a fan I am. <laughs> uh, yeah, the main character, Rick Grimes, is played by Andrew Lincoln, who it was in Love Actually. He's the one holding the signs, like, I want to marry you or whatever. But he's a British actor. I'm just giving ourselves a good little look up. Okay, now I see him. I remember him from clips. I just, I, I guess I just always confused Rick as the character that he's actually Daryl. So he looks like a very nice actor, though. Maybe someday I'll sink my claws into the show, but I've got to wait for you to be done with it first. All right. But that's all I really had for news. I didn't know if you had anything extra you wanted to touch on. That's all I had, man. All right. So let's get into recasting the Big Lebowski. Today we are recasting The Big Lebowski from 1998, a cult classic directed originally by Joel and Ethan Cohen, the Cohen brothers. Prior to this movie, they had directed Raising Arizona, Miller's Crossing, The Hudsucker Proxy, Fargo. They are big time. Since then, they've directed No Country for Old Men, True Grit. So these are big, big time directors that did this movie. I hear the Cohen brothers name a lot, but I never really associate it with a picture. Yeah, and this is like the goofiest of all their movies, kind of really off the beaten path as far as how serious a lot of their other movies are. 
Yeah, they've had 39 Academy Award nominations, the movies that they've directed, and six wins. Wow, quite successful. And, and there are some brothers that are doing that. I mean, look at the Russos for Marvel. They've done quite an awesome job of you know, have, leaving their handprint um, in the Marvel Universe. So uh, a lot of brotherly love in Hollywood. We love it. And I do a short synopsis of the film before we get into it. Normally I use our show sponsor, Wikipedia, but we canceled them as a sponsor for this week, and we're going with IMDb because the Wikipedia description was five paragraphs. So I went with the IMDb description, which is very simple. Jeff the Dude Lebowski, mistaken for a millionaire of the same name, seeks restitution for his ruined rug and enlists his bullying buddies to help get it. IMDb gave it an 8.1. Rotten Tomatoes, 83% critic, 93% audience. It's an hour and 57 minutes. Did you enjoy it? I did. Yeah, Wayne, as you know, this was my first time seeing this movie. And I think what helped me is doing a bit of reading and, and researching first. And I don't know if that can be considered cheating or unfair. But I came into this not blind. I came into it pretty well informed. And what I really focused on was the characters and not the plot. And I think the the plot is what really confuses a lot of people um, when they watch this thing. And so even the Coen brothers go, we really don't want you to care about the plot. Care about the characters and how they care about each other and what they do. And that's how you can enjoy this movie. And so I really did end up enjoying the movie. It is not hidden that I am a fellow lover of the devil's cabbage, you know, the the jazz lettuce, if I may. So I really was able to kind of relate to the dude and see his relaxed nature. And I enjoyed a lot of the performances here. And I can't wait to uh, talk about some of them more in depth once we get into it. But yeah, Wayne, overall, really enjoyed it. What did you like uh, about this rewatch or not like? So here's the thing. When you first had suggested it and thrown it out there, I was disgusted because I had only seen it once, and I said I hated it. This movie was absolute garbage to me. It's so weird and disconnected, and I feel like you have to be on LSD to understand or even get some parts of it. But then I watched it again, and I'm going to say this. I still don't like it the way that the cult following people like it, but I do find it a little bit funnier, and I did find some of the parts a lot more quotable, in particular the interactions between Walter and Donnie are just hysterical. Oh, Walter is hilarious. He's probably my favorite character. I mean, and fans, if it's not pretty obvious by now, Wayne is a pretty straight edge dude. He doesn't even drink soda. So let alone, um, you know, smoking any jazz cabbage like the dude. So, and you know, I think a lot of people give this movie a bad rap because of the, you know, the stoner image, but the dude has way more white, white Russians than he's seen with any marijuana product. You know, this, this is more of a drinking movie than it is a marijuana movie. I mean, there's a white Russian in every single scene. There is. And I think the scenes that I'm referring to about being on LSD are things like where he's flying. And then oh, there the, was the, the dream sequences. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All the dream sequences are just really bizarre. They are. And uh, I think they're really, really well done. And they were awesome, you know, for their time to kind of show you like just what this dude was thinking or doing. I mean, he was definitely roofied at one point, you know, by the uh, the porn director there. But such a fun movie. I enjoyed it. I mean, not so much so that I'm going to go ahead and commit myself to the religion of Judaism, but uh, definitely enjoyed this film and I would rewatch it. We're doing things a little bit differently today. In the past, if you've been listening to 2.0, we did this in 1.0. But in 2.0, we've been recasting from the biggest actor or the biggest star down to the least important. And we feel like some of you guys might be tuning out after you hear your favorite. So we're going to start today from the bottom and work our way up. And the first person we have is Jesus. Let me tell you something, Pandeo. 
You pull any of your crazy shit with us, you flash a piece out on the lanes, I'll take it away from you and stick it up your ass and pull the fucking trigger till it goes click. Jesus. You said it, man. Nobody fucks with the Jesus. Played by John Turturro, who was in Clockers, Miller's Crossing, Barton Fink, Quiz Show, Color of Money, Do the Right Thing, and Gung Ho, which is one of my favorites. For my notes on him, he's cartoonish, he's over the top, he's funny, he's trying to be menacing and macho, but he just comes across as goofy. A little bit of a creepy sexual vibe, which Walter alludes to. He's like, eight years old, dude, right? Um, so for Jesus, I thought, who can really encapsulate this? And I'm not going to go too far in depth, and you guys will find out why in a second. But I went with Sasha Baron Cohen. I've spent a few years in Hollywood, and it's been a disaster, actually. <laughs> Because um, socialising has been very difficult for me. I, I once went to a party the first week I was there and Jim Carrey was there. Wow. He was complaining about being single and suddenly there was quite an attractive woman went past and I go, she was looking at him and I said, what about her? She's, she looks like she's up for it. To me, this was the perfect cross characters. Which This was Ali G mixed with the Talladega Nights guy. Uh, which, oh, by the way, he is Borat, Talladega Nights, Brothers Grimsby, Bruno... You should know Sasha Baron Cohen. This is who I thought of the most because I said, oh, this is totally Ali G right here, but with a Spanish accent. Yeah, I love Totoro, and I, I think what had happened there is you listed all kinds of movies he was in, but not the two that either I most remember him from or the two that I enjoyed most. And maybe that just means I need to broaden my spectrum. But him as the uh, the butler in Mr. Deeds was hilarious as well, his sneakiness. And then uh, him in a movie you introduced me to, and that was Rounders. You know, We're talking about Kanish here. But I love him. Very odd role for him. It was kind of uncomfortable to watch. And that's one of the words that I use to describe Jesus or Jesus here is uh, uncomfortable. He's awkward. He's bold. He's even kind of funny. You know, I'm going to fuck you, man. And he's telling Walter about, you know, pulling the gun out. You try any of that on me? And it's it's just hilarious the way he provides it. But, you know, they do show that clip that's it's uncomfortable. And I think if any actor provides me that same uncomfortable energy... The same way that Totoro did there, it is none other than Sasha Baron Cohen, the same gentleman that you went with. And this has been a long time since we've uh, had the same pick here. So uh, that was exciting to see when we did release our picks to each other. But I saw what you saw, man. I saw a perfect fit, you know, between Borat, Taldega Knights, and Ali G. This, there, there was nobody better to, you know, portray this gentleman here. Yeah, for sure. I think that, like you said, just uncomfortable, but there was still something funny. Like, I found myself laughing at him when he was in the scenes. Yeah, and it was, you know, a lot of people can be uncomfortably funny. <laughs> no, Nobody better than Sasha Baron Cohen. Our next character here, uh, I'm excited to uh, really get into this with you because I know the actor that I chose is one of your favorites, is The Stranger. I don't know about you, but I take comfort in that. It's good knowing he's out there, the dude, taking her easy for all us sinners. Shush. I sure hope he makes the finals. Well, that about does her. Wraps her all up. Things seem to have worked out pretty good for the dude and Walter. And it was a pretty good story, don't you think? The stranger in this film we don't see a lot of, but we hear more of. Originally played by Sam Elliott. Real thick accent, real thick mustache. A hunk at no matter what age. From this character, I see you know some positive, calm energy. He's uplifting. He's the one that's kind of trying to 
really help the dude understand in the few scenes that we do see him. He's really help, trying to help him understand and kind of see things from a different light. And uh, I'm really glad that I didn't end up going with the obvious one here as well as you. But my pick here is Christian Slater. I can almost taste it, the rankness in the air. It's everywhere. It's running through that old pipeline out there, trickling along that dumb concrete river and coming up through the drains of those lovely tract homes we all live in. I know that he's, you know, you're a huge fan of Christian Slater, but what I wanted to mention about him is he's done a ton of voice work, going back to Fern Gully, but more recently he's done a lot of Disney and Discovery documentaries where he's been the, the narrator for those. I think he's got a calming voice. I think he's got a commanding voice, and he does have that age where it sounds like it'd be wisdom coming and not just horseshit. Um, and so Christian Slater, I know you, you like him from several things, but most notably, I think it's, or most recently, it's Mr. Robot. But I think that he'd be a perfect fit here. I didn't want to focus so hard on finding some guy that's known as a narrator or known as an old guy with a mustache, but I think I found a good fit here in Christian Slater. Yeah, this was an interesting one when I was going through your cast because I do like Christian Slater, like you'd said. I do like Mr. Robot, True Romance, Robin Hood, Gleaming the Cube, Pump Up the Volume, Broken Arrow, Young Guns 2, I think is better than the original. But what I thought was interesting is I looked at it and I just didn't get it, I guess, because Sam Elliott's a southern cowboy. That's who I was picturing. He's got the southern accent. And like you said, I didn't want to go with a narrator. I would have picked Morgan Freeman, you know. But just listening to Christian Slater, I thought, wow, I really have to get from Jesse. How did you get from... Sam Elliott in Tombstone, basically, to Christian Slater pump up the volume. I was like, man, how did he? What is the path that he took to get there? Sometimes I just focus too hard on trying to find a carbon copy, and I think maybe that's been an error in some of my my recastings. And so over here, I wasn't trying to find an exact age replicant or carbon copy. I wanted to find somebody that had experience in what Sam Elliott does here, and that's mostly narrating. We we don't see a lot of him. We really see him in maybe five minutes of screen time, but in total, you hear more of him. And I just got a, a calming, wise voice from Christian Slater. I know that he's done a lot of voice acting uh, as well as narrating for you know different discovery things like you know Dino Planet, Prehistoric Planet, Archer, Lion Guard. So he's done all kinds of voice acting and narrating that I really felt comfortable picking him and not focusing so hard on finding some old cowboy with a mustache. I didn't want to find some country singer. Wayne, who'd you go with? Yeah, well, I will say that. I did like the, the Christian Slater picks. I like the actor itself. This is one that I kind of just have it as I don't like it, but I also don't dislike it. It's like I need to see it now. Like I need to see you know, because I feel like he can do it, but I need to see it, you know. I went with Harry Connick Jr. It's hard to say specifically how he did it. Uh, it was extremely traumatic, as you can imagine, and I think um, had it not been for my father uh, and his uh, incredible gifts as a father and you know, unwavering support of me and my sister and my extended family support, I, I'm not so sure I could have gotten through it. I mean, it was, uh, you know, unquestionably the hardest thing that's ever happened to me before or since. I think that he has a lot of the similarities. He's, again, a Southern guy. He was in Hope Floats, Will and Grace as Grace's boyfriend or husband even, copycat, P.S. I love you. He's got that Southern drawl, a deep voice. He's very charming. He's got a nice smile. And this is what I really felt Sam Elliott was, was he was a guy that really was just charm you. I have here a cowboy narrator, straight to the point, you know, he doesn't BS, and friendly charm. He's very, very friendly. You know, in fact, when dude sees him again the second time, he's like, hey, man, what's up? Like, you'd want to talk to this guy. He just seems like a fun guy. And I felt like Harry Connick kind of really encapsulates that. 
So definitely a, a calming you know, nature to them. And I really have no, no gripes with your pick at all, man. I really love it. I think you did a good job of finding somebody that has a, a great Southern voice, someone who's done singing and voice work, someone who really could deliver the type of drawl that I think your, your goal was to get. And again, I just want to touch on when I told my mom we were doing a stranger, she looks at me and she goes, oh my God, do Morgan Freeman. And I go, no, we're actually, we're actually trying here, mom. <laughs> That's the most obvious pick that of obvious picks. And she goes, oh, you're right. So I'm really glad that neither one of us ended up going that route. You know, I, I think both of us, you know, provided some good options. Again, you know, mine, Christian Slater and yours, Harry Connick Jr. But I think they could both pull it off. Next, you're going to give us your brand. Uh, this picture was taken when Mrs. Reagan was first lady of the nation. Yes, yes. Not of California. Chuck? Uh, in fact, he met privately with the president, though unfortunately there wasn't enough time for a photo opportunity. Oh, Nancy's pretty good. Oh, wonderful woman. We uh, were very happy to... These are, uh... Oh, those are Mr. Lebowski's children. Oh, different so mothers, to speak. huh? No, they're not. Racially, he's pretty cool. <laughs> they're not literally his children. They're the little Lebowski urban achievers. Brant is an interesting character. I like him. He's played by Philip Seymour Hoffman, who's only 31 years old at this point. Prior to this, he'd done Boogie Nights, Twister, The Getaway, Scent of a Woman. For the notes I have here, he's nerdy, fake, kind of a preppy, but I'm going to be a wannabe preppy, which is why I have fake. He's annoying. He's kind of fancy, but wimpy at the same time. A lot of energy and that fake energy, too. And so I said, well, who really encapsulates the character of Brant, and I went with Jonathan Groff. That's like, so true. Like, what, like, do you miss he, that? It's a totally, it was a totally different experience, because like you said at Hamilton, we would have all these famous people coming back after the show, and even as King George, I was only on stage for nine minutes, so it was a very... Nine good minutes. Nine good minutes, yeah, yeah, yeah but it was yeah. a very social yep. experience for me, because the cast would come in, we would hang. Oh, because you got to hang backstage. Yes. Jonathan Groff is in Mindhunter, He's in Hamilton as King George. He was in Glee. He's the voice of Kristoff and Frozen. Basically, I feel like you could just throw him in a tuxedo and you've got Brant. Like, he's got that high energy. He's got that smile. He comes across kind of a fake preppy. So I felt like he kind of encapsulated the character. And if I'm not mistaken, Wayne, this is uh, another episode where you provide us someone that you've used before. Um, <laughs> as, soon as, I, as soon as I heard you say he played the voice of Kristoff, I'm pretty sure I've heard you use him before. But I certainly could be mistaken Nonetheless, wonderful actor you've chosen. I think he is just dripping with theater. And the guy's got Tony Awards and nominations. He was in Glee and Hamilton, like you mentioned. So I think I really see a wonderful job being done by Jonathan Groff here. I think, you know, it, it was a bit of a, I think Philip Seymour Hoffman, a bit of a theatrical actor, um, very serious, underrated when he was acting. I think now that he's gone, people love to go back and watch some of his things. I also loved him in Along Came Polly, a bit of a comedic role for him. But again, Jonathan Groff, I really enjoy what you saw in him. And I think, uh, again, I, I love seeing all those theater credits. Um, I think that that could really help him portray this role. And what my pick was for Brandt, I went with Jesse Plemons. Yeah. Um, and then I have had a few really odd picture requests. Like one, someone wanted me to sort of make a gun with my hand and pretend to shoot them in the picture. <laughs> Another guy really wanted to fake strangle me in the picture. And with Jesse Plemons, you'd all know him from Friday Night Lights. He's been in many other things, even recently as, you know, the Fargo show and that show, I was, the movie I was dumping on earlier with Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Jungle Cruise. But I think he's one of the better actors. And like Philip Seymour Hoffman, I think he's really underrated right now. 
what I saw some from Brandt is, you know, he's the, the butler, the ass kisser. He's awkward. And um, I, I really, I didn't want, I didn't like him, but I liked the portrayal. And so from Jesse Plemons, I saw, you know, the same look, the same mannerisms. And I felt like if I look at Jesse Plemons from Game Night, the movie he did with Jason Bateman, I really see his cop character here as Brandt, you know, just the awkward, weird to talk to gentleman. And I, again, I think Jesse Plemons would crush this. So Jesse Plemons was in my bucket short list, if you want, for Almost Recasted. He wasn't my Almost Recasted, which is why I'm saying it. We'll get to that. But he was in the bucket. And the reason when I looked at it is I said he definitely seems very Philip Seymour Hoffman to me. He seems like he could play that role. And I could actually see him replacing Philip Seymour Hoffman in a lot of different roles. Scent of a Woman, as I mentioned, things like that. The reason I didn't go with him was simply just the energy factor. Like anytime I see Jesse Plemons, he's always very soft-spoken. He is awkward. He plays that perfectly. But he, even when he gets excited, he's still very soft-spoken in his excitedness. And I felt like Brant was very big and over the top. And I, I was trying to find some clips. I did find the clips from Game Night, uh, Fargo, from Jungle Cruise, where he has a really thick accent and is very funny. Maybe probably the only funny part in that movie. Um, but he's a great actor, and I like him a lot. I just felt like he doesn't have the same Brant energy. I could definitely see the criticism. I mean, I think he'd be able to ramp it up. Again, I touched on how underrated I think both he is now and Philip Seymour Hoffman was then. But I think overall, he's going to present to me the, the right look and the right acting ability that I think could really do this role well. And it's it's not a huge role, but it's someone who I think provides some comedic effects as well. And way back in Friday Night Lights, I got a little bit of comedy from, from Jesse Plemons, um, and that's one of my favorite shows of all time. I mean, you knew I was going to find somebody from that show or Marvel to throw in here, Wayne. All right. So our next one here is Old Lebowski. I hope that someday my wife will learn to live on her allowance, which is ample. But if she does not, that is her problem, not mine. Just as the rug is your problem. Just as every bum's lot in life is his own responsibility, regardless of who he chooses to blame. I didn't blame anyone for the loss of my legs. Some Chinaman took them from me in Korea. But I went out and achieved anyway. <laughs> I cannot solve your problem, sir. Only you can. He is uh, Mr. Lebowski, and uh, he is played by Mr. Huddleston. I'm going to tell you, Wayne, this is the one that I had the toughest time with. I don't know if you can tell that by who I went with. But I had a really difficult time finding somebody that I, I felt really encompassed who I wanted. I ended up going with Jack Nicholson. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Son, we live in a world that has walls, and those walls have to be guarded by men with guns. Who's going to do it? You? You, Lieutenant Weinberg? I have a greater responsibility than you can possibly fathom. You weep for Santiago, and you curse the Marines. You have that luxury. You have the luxury of not knowing what I know, that Santiago's death, while tragic, probably saved lives. And my existence, while grotesque and incomprehensible to you, saves lives. Jack Nicholson is quite old. He's not been in anything real recently other than Lakers games. And so maybe that's going to be to my downfall or my detriment. But I think that he is such a celebrated actor. I, I touched on The Shining earlier, and he did so well in that. And he's done so many other things like Anger Management and The Departed. I think he's so good, but I think at this day and age, what he could do is play entitled, kind of superficial, 
old gentleman that doesn't have time for your shit and time for anybody's. First time he sees the dude, are you employed? Do you have a job? And he's just, he's very quippy with him. And I feel like I could see Jack Nicholson do that. Again, uh, not my strongest one, but for this one, I saw Old Lebowski as materialistic and vain. And I feel like Jack Nicholson could portray that for me. I 100% agree with you. And this is the first one, I think, where I I actually like it. I, I don't love it, but I like it. And I can picture Jack Nicholson, particularly from As Good As It Gets, because that's older Jack Nicholson. And we've seen him kind of let himself go a little bit. He looks very Huddleston-like now. And I think that he plays the perfect curmudgeon. You know, he's got that gravel voice. He's snarky. He's a pompous, arrogant old man. I think Jack Nicholson fits this absolutely perfectly. So I really don't have anything negative about it. I can't actually think of anything I would say where I'm like, oh, this is why I wouldn't go that way. Because I think he's great. I think I think he'd really fit in there. Yeah, I'm not, surprised. No, I like it. Yeah, I think Jack Nicholson's perfect. Uh, like especially now, older Jack. If you had picked him maybe 1992 when he was doing a few good men, I would have said no. But 2021 Jack Nicholson, yeah, all day. Perfect. I appreciate that. My pick was another curmudgeon old man. I went with Richard Dreyfus. Get out! Is it something I said? You've ruined my life! You've ruined my career! You've ruined my book! You've turned a perfectly peaceful house into an insane asylum! Get out! Why'd you need to kick Bob out of the house? You think he's gone? He's not gone! That's the whole point! He's never gone! So Richard Dreyfuss, you would know him from Jaws, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, American Graffiti. That's young Richard Dreyfuss. But I'm thinking more old Richard Dreyfuss. So Mr. Holland's opus, What About Bob? He's just the perfect crotchety old man. And as you'll hear in this episode, once these clips are in there, I put in you know, the Big Lebowski yelling at the dude. And then, of course, I have Jack doing his, you know, you can't handle the truth because I wanted to hear you yelling at the Lebowski. And I've got Richard Drivers here yelling at Bob because he is such a cranky old man. He is very curmudgeon. That was such an, an awesome word for you to use to describe this gentleman. And uh, when I saw who you picked, I go, God damn it, Wayne, you picked the same actor that played him originally. Because he looks very much like him. Uh, an older movie that I, I didn't think I would have watched, but my mom made me watch it recently, is What About Bob? Do you know where Dreyfus goes on his vacation? Yeah, to Lake Winnipesaukee. Absolutely. Comes right up to New Hampshire, right around your neck of the woods. And, uh, you know, I just thought that was awesome. I watched that movie with him and Bill Murray. I thought the chemistry was fun. And uh, I could certainly see him seeing him being short and not wanting to hear or have any of your shit. So I loved your pick. I really think it was a good one. I have zero things negative to say about that. Again, I was, I was so mad when I saw him because I had such a struggle just trying to picture who could be this gentleman. And when you sent that, I, I looked up the name. Saw the picture, and I go, oh, man, this guy's a carbon copy. <laughs> uh, yeah, he looks very similar. Because like Nicholson, he's let himself go a little bit. We all will when we reach 80. <laughs> I already have him, 40. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bon Jovi, he's, he's halfway there, guys. <laughs> so the next character we have is Maud Lebowski. Female form make you uncomfortable, Mr. Lebowski. Uh, is that what this is a picture of? In a sense, yes. My art has been commended as being strongly vaginal, which bothers some men. The word itself makes some men uncomfortable. Vagina. Oh, yeah? Yes, they don't like hearing it and find it difficult to say, whereas without batting an eye, a man will refer to his dick, or his rod, or his Johnson. So this is the big Lebowski's daughter. She runs the foundation, and she's really the one that has the money, and she talks about how she just lends him money. He's not actually the rich one. She's originally played by Julianne Moore, 
who was 38 at this point. She had been in Body of Evidence with Madonna, Benny and June, Nine Months. I actually love Nine Months with Hugh Grant, Assassins, Jurassic World, Boogie Nights. So she's been in quite a bit coming into this. The notes I had for her character is eccentric, weird, artsy, in parentheses. She probably likes Tarantino movies. And then I have she's strong and independent. And I thought, who is the perfect, strong, independent weirdo in 2021? And I went with Lady Gaga. Mere blood. You don't lack beauty. You lack commitment. Let me help you. Become who you were born to be. A goddess. So Lady Gaga was in American Horror Story. She was in A Star is Born. I think she was nominated for an Academy Award for that. She did win it, I think, for Best um, Song for a, a movie. But she is just, in real life, listen, she wore a Kermit the Frog dress. Like, she is the perfect weirdo. Originally, when I saw this, I loved it. Then I kind of wavered a little bit. And, and I don't hate it, nor do I love it currently. I see Lady Gaga as exactly who this is um, as far as the uber artsy mod. I mean, flying in naked and just throwing paint at a big canvas. is I can see Lady Gaga doing that. But as far as her acting ability or acting credits, I will throw my hand up and say that I've not seen A Star is Born. And I'm not really looking forward to seeing it. I mean, I'm... It's not something that um, I would think I find enjoyable. And I just think she's got quite a limited acting resume. And Julianne Moore really owned a good portion of the 90s with what she did. So I just, my only knock is I think Lady Gaga's a, a little limited in her acting experience. But overall, I don't think you could have found a, a better representation of the artsy side of what Maude is in this film. Perfect. Yeah, I would recommend A Star is Born. I, like you, was hesitant to see it. I did not see the original with uh, Barbara Streisand, but I was like, eh, what is this, a love story? That's not really my thing. And then I watched it, and I'm not going to cried my eyes out. It was so good. You are a sap. I am. <laughs> so my mod, you know, she was originally played by Julianne Moore. I have an actress here, Christina Hendricks. Where the hell else would I be? This is my office. And you all better stop cutting through here. It's not a thoroughfare. Take the extra steps. You could use them. And Christina Hendricks provides me the same vibes I got from Julianne Moore. Bold, regal, sassy. Because as artsy as she is, she does hold herself to a very classy and, and regal form. She is really where the money was made and, and where the money is kept. And the old Lebowski, you know, Mr. Big Lebowski, he really just fronts himself as having that money. Whereas Maude really kind of holds herself in a very classy way. So I love the sass that she provided, the kind of scenes there with the dude where, you know, she is telling him to go see a doctor about the punch and then ends up having sex with him so that she can have a kid. Uh, I thought that was funny. So Christina Hendricks, I uh, most know her from, and I think our fans would most recognize her from Mad Men. She uh, really held herself in that same regard as, as classy, regal. Around that same time when Mad Men was just the hottest show out there by America, she was voted one of the hottest women in America. And she also plays Gabby Gabby most recently in uh, the Toy Story 4. So she uh, does the voice work for Gabby Gabby. Maybe we have a tough time kind of connecting with it first, but I think if you watch Toy Story 4, you can kind of see where she's coming from. But yeah, Christina Hendricks was my pick here, and I love it. So this was one, it's only fitting that going into the next character, 
where I'm going to give you the most praise. I'm going to give you kind of the harshest criticism on this one, which was with Christina Hedricks. I went through and I watched clips from Candy Jar, Fist Fight, Bad Santa 2. I watched Mad Men clips. Anything I could find that had clips on YouTube, I was watching clips of it to try to find that mod character, that that artsy, that stuffy, that pretentious character. And I couldn't find that in any of her characters. And I got so angry at one point. I was like, damn it. Jesse just Googled redheaded actress. And this was the first one he saw. Absolutely not. No, I, I think if you take everything regal and classy and presentable about my pick, and then you mix everything that is so out there, wild and artsy with your pick, I think you would have the best representation of mod that could possibly be made. But I think we kind of just looked at it in, I looked at it in like the classy regal sense. And I think you saw it as the, the artsy fartsy sense. And I think we both provided very good actresses, but not one that I think really fully encompasses what Julianne Moore was able to provide in this movie as, you know, both artsy and really classy. Okay. Well, let's get into Donnie because this is where I'm going to be uh, giving you the mad props. Were you listening to the dude's story? I was bowling. So you have no frame of reference here, Donnie. You're like a child who wanders into Walter, the middle of a movie and wants to know... Walter, what the fuck is he talking my about? Rug. Forget it, Donnie, you're out of your element. He peed on the dude's rug. Donnie, you're out of your element. And this guy peed on it. Donnie, please. Woo! <laughs> I'm slamming it tonight. You guys are dead in the water. Yeah, Donnie here. I watched this. And I, again, like I mentioned, even prior to watching it, I had done some reading and I couldn't think of anybody better for my Donnie, who was originally played by Steve Buscemi. I picked Joe Lo Trulio. The only way to make things right is to do the worst, most awful thing imaginable. Dip your penis in vinegar. What? No. Why would you say that? In Sunday school, they told us the Babylonians did that to their enemies. I've been terrified ever since. And he is someone that I have seen for a long time, way back when on Superbad. And I've been watching seasons of him on one of my favorite shows ever, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And I get such a submissive, quirky, funny vibe from Jolo Trulio. And in this movie, I couldn't think of anyone better to represent Donnie because of the submissive nature of who that character is and how quirky he comes off. So yeah, Jolo Trulio from Brooklyn Nine-Nine is my guy. Yeah, an absolutely perfect pick. That's really the only note I have on the casting is in parentheses or in hyphens. I put perfect casting because he is that perfect sidekick that's kind of annoying and gets on your nerves and you would tell him to shut the fuck up a lot because he's constantly just chiming in halfway through the conversation. And I was like, that is totally Charles from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Like that is Charles from Brooklyn Nine-Nine is Donnie. It's like that's what happened to him later. He became a cop. Yeah, I love it. I mean, you know, getting shot in the ass is not as bad as, you know, passing away. And unfortunately, that's what ends up happening to Donnie. And I hated that scene. But, you know, I think it really shows how much the dude and both Walter cared for Donnie. But yeah, I loved my pick as uh, Jolo Trulio. And uh, let, let the folks know who you picked. Yeah, so I went similar thought process. So for the character of Donnie, I had his nervous, annoying friend jumping into conversations. I have Nerdy. He only has two friends. They're the only people that actually care about him in the world. So he's not somebody who's going to be the life of the party. And I thought, who really encapsulates this nerdy, skinny, weird, awkward guy who is just the third wheel all the time? And I went with Topher Grace. No, I've been telling myself that since high school. And <laughs> it's bullshit. I have plenty of opportunities to ask you out. I was afraid. Truth. If I had asked you out in high school, 
Would you have said yes? So he's from that 70s show, The Black Klansman. He plays David Duke, Interstellar, Predators, Ocean's Eleven. But Donnie really is Eric Foreman, like without Donna. That's what he is. Yeah, I mean, you you picked my Venom. <laughs> no, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think with Eric Foreman, with this actor, Topher Grace, I see feeble. I see meek. I see submissive to both Donna and Red. So I absolutely see it. I knew you already had a, a pretty large disdain for the actor Topher Grace. I know that I've picked him way back when. And uh, so I, I, I could definitely see this. I had no qualms with you picking Topher Grace to be your Donnie because I see the submissiveness. I see the the meekness that he would pre- provide and has able been able to provide in just about every performance since then. Now, Walter is a character played by John Goodman, who is 46 at the time that he takes this role. But fighting in desert is very different from fighting in canopy jungle. Mm-hmm. I mean, now was a foot soldier's war, whereas this thing should, uh, you know, should be a piece of cake. I mean, I had an M16 Jack going out of Abrams' fucking tank. Me and Charlie, eyeball to eyeball. Yeah. That's fucking combat. The man in the black pajamas, dude. Worthy fucking adversary. Who's in pajamas, Walter? Shut the fuck up, Donnie. In the 80s, he was in Revenge of the Nerds, Raising Arizona, Everybody's All-American, and Sea of Love. 90s kickoff, he's in Arachnophobia, King Ralph, The Babe, The Flintstones. This is really where he hits his stride. But most people know him as Dan Connor from Roseanne, or the voice from Emperor's New Groove as uh, Pacha, I believe. In this movie, he strikes me as he's a loose cannon. He's off the hinges completely, which we see when he pulls a pistol on a guy for going over the line. (laughs) And... Then he's hyper. He's got military love. Uh, Vietnam, he mentions every scene he has to, which I think the dude actually brings up at one point. He's like, why do you keep talking about Nam, man? Uh, he's a hothead, hot temper. He's the asshole friend who like knows everything and tries to boss the dude around and tell him what to do and how he should handle things. And he ends up just screwing things up even more. And so for me, I said, who is a bigger asshole friend cinematically than Vince Vaughn? Right. That's why we should probably spend this time getting guns. I'm going to feel so I don't, much see, better This is the way you fucking, fucking think. Gun. You're crazy. We don't want a gun. That's going to get us killed. Okay, Bob, you knocked the juice tooth out, right? That's going to cost Max eight grand. Maybe more than eight grand. You probably lost him his whole line of clientele, too. Plus, you've been fucking up Jess's dancing. Now, I think he knows I sold the fucking carpet fan. He's been giving me looks and shit, which leads to that, okay? Vince Vaughn is in Couples Retreat, Fred Claus, The Breakup, Old School, Wedding Crashers, Swingers, Maid, Rudy, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. He is the perfect asshole friend. He's got that hothead thing. I can see Vince Vaughn saying, shut the fuck up, Donnie, like 10 times in the film. So to me, Vince Vaughn was just the perfect Walter. It's like hitting back-to-back home runs here, Wayne, because after you just give me praise over my last one here, I got to give you all that same praise in return because I was extremely mad at myself as soon as I read that you had picked Vince Vaughn. I go, oh my goodness, how could I not have thought about this gentleman? Because he does play that in both old school Wedding Crashers. I mean, even in Couples Retreat, he is that friend that's the loud, outspoken, boisterous one. And I think you crushed it here, man. I couldn't think of a better representation of Walter than Vince Vaughn. I mean, I I love how loud and and vocal he can get. And like you said, hot-headed is perfect. So Vince Vaughn, you know, nail on the head. There's no better pick right now of our cast than that. So love what you provided there. My pick, I ended up going with somebody that is maybe not as, as well known. But I, uh, the vibes I got from Walter, 
a lot of the same vibes you got. I got intense, unhinged. You could clearly show some PTSD or some trauma from being in the war. So, you know, that's where you get the veteran vibes. He's assertive, but also you notice that everything is a conspiracy. <laughs> he even starts flipping out in the diner and, you know, even forces the dude to kind of walk off and leave. And, you know, I'm not leaving. So he's, he's very stuck to his guns, uses the guns in the bowling alley. And yeah, everything's a conspiracy. So my pick here is Michael Shannon. You think I'm crazy? Huh? Is that what he told you? Mm. Well, listen up. There is a storm coming like nothing you have ever seen. And not a one of you is prepared for it. And Michael Shannon, shockingly enough, is going to be from uh, a show I just finished on Hulu, one that I referenced several episodes, and that is Nine Perfect Strangers. But a lot of fans would also know him as General Zod and Man of Steel. He was in Waco as a federal agent. Um, he was also in a movie called Take Shelter. And those are all where I really drew my references from for Michael Shannon here. I, uh, he is one of the actors that I think gets praised the most for his intensity, his yelling, and I think it's also a bit of caring yelling. I mean, you can see at the end there, once, uh, you know, Donnie gets shot, that Walter's the one holding him. And he's the one that is yelling for someone to call. So as much as he's saying, shut the fuck up, Donnie, and yelling at him, he really shows that, that compassion as well. So I wanted somebody who could yell, scream, and um, be known for it, but as well as show some compassion and some awkwardness as far as the conspiracies. I mean, I saw a bit of my dad and Walter... <laughs> Uh, I really enjoyed Jonathan Goodman's performance, but again, my pick here is Michael Shannon and I, the the General Zod from Man of Steel, Waco, Take Shelter. All these things were huge resources for me when I was trying to find a good representation of Walter here. Yeah, I think Michael Shannon is a fantastic actor. I put that down here. First note, great actor. I can actually picture him playing a soldier suffering from PTSD. He does strike me as he would do that really well. The one knock I had on him was just I felt like maybe... He, in all the roles I've seen him in, he doesn't have that comedic timing. You know what I mean? Like that John Goodman has. Like even the things where he's like, Donnie, you're out of your element. <laughs> it's just, I don't know why I laugh at that. And it's something about the way it's delivered. I think Michael Shannon can definitely play that. Like he's yelling at Jesus. I can see him yelling at the guy over the line, yelling in the parking lot. He definitely has that. And I saw him in Knives Out. He's a little bit more subdued. So I can see him doing that as well. I think the only thing for me was just missing that, the comedy, the comedic timing. I'm not even sure if he was, if John Goodman was trying to present as much comedy as the fans took out of it because, you know, we laugh at Donnie being out of his element, but we don't even know what Donnie's element is because we never get to know enough about him. <laughs> so that's what we find so funny is you're out of your element, Donnie. We don't know what his element is at all. I mean, we, he could be a super educated guy, but he and, and even at one point, he's, he seems to be answering a question correctly and he's saying it several times. And that's what gets Walter so mad when the dude and Walter are talking about something. And all of a sudden, you know, you, you got Donnie just keep trying to poke in with what he thinks is the correct answer. And it very well could be. But, you know, again, I take the criticism from you. You've seen more film than I. I just really enjoy what I see from Shannon. You know, I've not seen him do, um, you know, much or, or any comedy. But I think that comedy is something that, you know, maybe it wasn't forced or, or meant to come across as funny. But I, I love the pick here. And uh, I'm going to take us into uh, the end here with my The Dude. Wait, wait let, me, let me explain something to you. Um, I am not Mr. Lebowski. You're Mr. Lebowski. I'm The Dude. 
So that's what you call me, you know? Uh, that or uh, his dudeness or uh, duder or, uh, you know, El Duderino, if you're not into the whole brevity thing. Originally played by Jeff Bridges or Kurt Russell, depending on... Uh... <laughs> depending on who you are, because I've I've heard podcasts, I've read articles, and man, some people thought this was Kurt Russell the entire movie until they actually looked at IMDb. <laughs> I will admit that I didn't. I thought that was funny. My representation here is going to be Matthew McConaughey. Actor, here's the game plan. You're going to bring us two absolute martinis. You know how I like them, straight up. And then precisely seven and one half minutes after that, you're going to bring us two more. Then... Two more after that every five minutes until one of us passes the fuck out. <laughs> Excellent strategy, sir. Uh, I'm, I'm good with water for now, though. Thank you. It's his first day on Wall Street. Give him time. I don't think that's a shock to many people. I think between Days of Confused as well as a movie he did more recently called Surfer Dude, he really portrays just that laid-back, unfazed, kind of unemployed guy. I mean, even though the dude's most in jeopardy, he's the one that's chilling out the most. I mean, his life's online. His car is getting just demolished all movie. He had a ferret thrown on him in the tub. And so he is, his life's in peril. He's in jeopardy a lot. And he's not the one that's freaking out. He's very laid back and calm. Walter's the one that's freaking out. So I think someone who can play that really well is Matthew McConaughey. I mean, you know him from Wolf of Wall Street, from A Time to Kill, many, many other things. But I thought he'd be a really awesome representation as the dude who seems kind of old to be an unemployed, you know, white Russian drinking pot smoker as much as he is. But he definitely, uh, you know, kind of fits that that trio. And uh, I love my McConaughey pick. Let us know who is your dude, Wayne. Yeah, well, I'll say about McConaughey, too, that he was also on my short list of actors and that he does have that very laid back kind of stoned attitude like he's always like hey what's going on I, just, I don't just i don't know how to explain it he's just very very chill all the time and like nothing phases him he's not worried about anything in life like even when the landlord's like oh hey it's you know it's the 13th or whatever it is and he's like yeah okay <laughs> hey you, you come see my play and i'm like who, who is this guy and then as soon as he mentions the like what day it is they go oh my god this is the landlord being like dude it's halfway through the month can you, can you maybe slip me some money <laughs> yeah but he just totally does not phased by it just totally chill so mcconaughey checks a lot of the boxes that i had for the character of the dude who again i have you know he's chill he's played a similar role in 2019 he played the beach bum and i mean it's two years removed from that the only knock i really had on it and it's not a major knock because i really like this pick but the only knock that i had if i had one is just a little bit of a lack of energy with mcconaughey again he's a guy who doesn't really likes philip seymour hoffman doesn't really step it up a little bit and i felt like the dude has a little bit of a nervous energy like a pippity pop pop i don't snap my fingers like he's kind of Got a little bit of an energy to him. He is chill and he's laid back, but he doesn't talk chill and laid back. He talks quick and fast. You know? Three people with weapons busted into the dude's house and he stayed in the bathtub and was like, hey, man, this is this is a residence, man. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Very laid back. So, I mean, I, I love the McConaughey, but uh, now that you've given me some, some somewhat praise, let, let the fans know who your dude is. Yeah, so for my dude, because I, I put down here for the notes, you know, hippie, bum, laid-back slob, easygoing surfer guy, stoner goofy, and I went with Brad Pitt. Talking here about department heads and their names and shit, and then there's these other files that are just like numbers, array, numbers and dates and numbers and numbers and dates and numbers and 
I think that's the shit, man. Brad Pitt, people would know from Thelma and Louise, A River Runs Through It, Seven, Twelve Monkeys, Sleepers. I mean, listen, just like we do every episode, there's at least one actor where we shouldn't have to list their credentials. You should know who Brad Pitt is. So he's the perfect kind of California surfer guy. That's who he is. I think that, you know, he's got a, he's not a young hunk anymore. He's 57 years old. He's got that hyper California energy. He's able to be funny even when he's being serious, which we saw in the Oceans movies. So for me, Brad Pitt, you throw a beard on him, which he has now anyways. And I just think he plays the perfect laid back dude. Yeah, he was definitely the Internet's choice as uh, any recasting for The Big Lebowski. Uh, Whenever I was doing some research, I saw that the Internet loved Brad Pitt. And I could definitely see it. I see that, you know, if you look at True Romance, I mean, it looks like Floyd here is kind of the precursor to the dude. But I think that uh, Brad Pitt, along with Matthew McConaughey, both wonderful actors, versatile actors. And I think Brad Pitt could really crush this role. I think of one of the better movies that I've been doing a lot of listening about is Fight Club. And it just sounds like the chemistry and, and the performances done by both him and Ed Norton, you know, they crush it. And I want to see Brad Pitt in that. But I think, you know, just based on what I needed to see from the dude and what and who you picked, I don't think that's a bad pick at all. When I can't complain about seeing Brad Pitt as the dude. I think he gives off those same kind of California, too cool to be me vibes. I um, mean, the landlord kind of generously asked for the rent, but he also he, he first asked, you know, if the dude can go see his show. And, you know, he's. He's almost like afraid to ask the dude, his tenant, for rent because of how cool he finds the dude to be. So I I definitely see Brad Pitt being too cool to be me and fitting in this vibe, especially due to his age right now. So a wonderful pick by you, Wayne. Awesome. Yeah. So how about for Almost Recasted? I only had two Almost Recasted. I didn't know if you guys had any. Yeah, I've got a few here. So my first one, and uh, this one shouldn't shock anybody. I'm going to dip into my Marvel bucket. If I wasn't going to pick who I picked, um, you know, I ended up picking Matthew McConaughey as the dude. If I wasn't going to pick him, it was going to be Chris Hemsworth. And we even see that mentioned as, uh, watch out Lebowski uh, between Tony Stark and uh, Thor there in Infinity War or Endgame. Honestly, I can't remember which one it is because they, they both mesh into a big six-hour movie for me. But uh, I think as, you know, Fat Thor, Dude Thor, Big Lebowski Thor, I think he provides humor, seriousness, um, you know, laid back. Uh, I think Chris Hemsworth would have been pretty cool as a Walter, an actor that is pretty uh, not huge known, uh, but I think he's done some really cool things, um, is Paul Walker Hauser, um, not just Paul Walker, uh, but Paul Walker Hauser. Um, he um, actually portrayed the uh, security officer that got framed for the 1996 Atlanta bombing in a pretty uh, awesome Netflix documentary there. And I think he could kind of have like that reservedness about him, but also be yelling uh, Donnie, uh, I thought about Charlie Day. Um, we know him from Horrible Bosses. Um, he's going to be Luigi in that new animated uh, Mario, along with Chris Pratt. And he's in Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And the last one I had for you, Wayne, was Maud. I was going to try and uh, you know tickle your fancy a little bit and go with a, a Netflix uh, actress from Daredevil, and that would be Deborah Ann Wolf. She played on Daredevil. Um, just a, a lot too timid for me. And, uh, you know, just couldn't pull off the, you know, the regal classiness you to see from Odd. Uh, but that was almost. Uh, those are all I have. All right. Yeah. Like I said, I only had two. One was the dude. I almost went with Jeffrey Dean Morgan as the dude. And I love his character of Negan. I think he plays a very similar type of character in The Walking Dead with the exception of, I don't know, he's not. I just wouldn't find him believable. I like. I just really wanted to pick him. That's why he's my almost because I really wanted to pick him. 
but I couldn't justify it. So yeah, I had walk, that. Walking Dead. All right. <laughs> That's the only justification I need. Um, and then the other one was Maud. I almost went with Emily Blunt. You know, I think that she'd be great, Mary Poppins. Yeah, she definitely has, you know, that, uh, you know, kind of upper class, you know, stature about her. And uh, John Krasinski, man, he hit a home run there. <laughs> he did indeed. And other than that, that's our cast. And obviously, I'd love anybody to give us some feedback if you're listening to the episode. If you want to wait until the pictures go up, those will go up in the next couple of days. And I appreciate everybody voting. And you do get a shout out if you vote, as you heard at the beginning of the show. And we are looking for a couple more spotlight people for next week. If you're a podcast and you want to get on here, it'd be great to spotlight somebody else. Yeah, and, and hopefully we can get some uh, shout outs like we got this episode. I don't want those to only happen when Wayne wins, folks. His head gets big enough. So, I mean, if I end up winning again in the future, you know, remember my name like Fort Minor says. <laughs> For sure. And other than that, I think just check us out on social media at Recast the Podcast on Twitter. That's the best spot at Recast the Podcast 8 on Instagram and at Recast the Podcast on Facebook. And make sure you join All Things Movies and start sharing everything movies that you can think of. Are you trying to say this is the end of the episode, Wayne? Oh, that's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> That's just like your opinion, man. <laughs> That's all, folks.